0: Welcome to Resurrection Church Podcast. We are honored you are here. Without any further delay, here's the word these people because they were a brand new church and had never been in church before, never been around Christianity before. They were just sort of learning the ropes of Christianity and they lived in a rogue society. And so it's no wonder Paul had to bring some uh, direction to their lives, and you'll see that. Now, have you ever noticed this, though? Have you ever noticed that we don't live in a perfect world? You know, life can really get, uh, get messy sometimes, can it? And, and, and unfortunately, it can get way too real, especially if you're a Christian. Now, what Paul is bringing to this church is some practical application for some very difficult situations that this church was abiding in in this place called Corinth. Like I said, it was a rogue city. It was a large city. It had two uh, temples there that worshipped uh, 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 Aphrodite and, and uh, oh man, what's his name? Poseidon. I was thinking the the Poseidon adventure of the movie, so I had to think of it. So they had these two temple worship centers, and, and all kinds of crazy stuff were going on. The in 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 the Aphrodite temple, they had a thousand female prostitutes. I won't go there, but that that's what they lived in. So they were entrenched in demonic activity. So it's no wonder the church was struggling at the time, trying to figure out how to follow through with these things. There there were all the this the, it was a cult. Atmosphere. Does it sound like the United States to you sometimes? Does me. But the church, they didn't have any heritage. They didn't understand. They had not experienced church. They didn't know what it was like. Uh, and, and Because bottom line is it was just a few years old, so they were straight off the streets. Come on, church. Do you remember when you came off? It took a while for the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit to get us where up to speed with God's Word. And so they were growing. They were developing. We've got to give them credit for this. But they needed some counsel, particularly as he gets into chapter 6, on some very practical things. This message may be practical today. But, oh, by the way, I want you to know we're going to get to some other spiritual stuff. So I've asked you, please, please read the whole book. All the way through, you don't have to do it all one time, but read all the way through the book of Corinthians and then every week during this series I want you to read chapters 12, 13 and 14 together because this is where the church is really messed up because of all the theologies that are out there. That says that none of that stuff that Paul talks about in, in that particular chapters they want to they want to slip under the they want to put under the rug prophecy and the word of knowledge and the gifts of the spirit that they're not operable for the day and all they want to talk about is just love well my friends you need a combination of both. Love is our motivating factor, right? But God has created us as born-again believers to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's why I want you to read those three chapters at one sitting every week so that you take it into context. I know I'm meandering, but stay with me. So how does a Christian navigate in a real society? Let's look at this. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8 to start with. Does any of you, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare to go to court before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more matters of this life? So if you have law courts dealing with matters of this life do you appoint them as judges who are not uh, who are of no account in the church I say this to your shame it is it is so that there is not among you one man who would be able to distinguish or to decide between his brethren but brother goes to law with brother and that before the unbeliever actually then it is already a defeat for you that you have law excuse me that you have lawsuits with one another why not be rather be wrong why not rather be defrauded on the contrary you yourselves wrong and defraud you do this even to your brethren now if you don't understand the historical aspect of this this makes no sense whatsoever how many of you have ever read that and wondered why what how has that got to do? What does that got to do with me? Well, get a lawsuit from another brother, and you'll understand why. But let me tell you why Paul is writing this to this church, and you'll understand it. See, the Corinthians were lawsuit crazy. But lawsuits could only be filed against equals or those of a lower social class. So the upper crust had this huge advantage in all things legal. So this is what I would call a Roman caste. Now we don't see caste in this society, but you get outside of this... Uh, country and in the third world countries, you'll see that the caste system is very, very powerful and operative in most all other countries where you have social, economical levels. And based on your level, wherever you are or what you're born into, it, was, it sets you up to live in that particular level of society the rest of your life. But having said that, this was a, a caste. So civil suits at that time had nothing to do with financial gain. Now, I found this very interesting. The Corinthians, they had, the, the, the purpose of establishing a lawsuit towards someone was to destroy their reputation. Because, you see, the, the Corinthians, were they were gluttons. They were uh, sexually depra- depraved people. They were drunks. It, the whole society of Corinth was like this. Now when you live with that kind of people, don't you know all kinds of talks going on? All kinds of opportunities to defraud or defame someone would come into your would be afforded to you. So the the civil suits at that time were for the purpose to destroy the honor and the character of their opponent. It had nothing to do with money. Interesting. In fact, the the uh, the juries were so corrupt that they were for sale to the highest bidder people wanted to go to jury duty why because they could make a bunch of money ever, how many anybody ever been called to jury duty how many anybody been called more than 3 times it doesn't it, But there's no bribery in our society, right? I hope not. I hope not. So the juries juries were corrupt. They were for sale for the highest bidder. And and people, people wanted to take people to court just so they could ruin your reputation and dishonor them and just rake them over the coals and make them look like trash. Now can you understand why Paul says to this group of people, you better not do that. Christians were going to court to dishonor their own brothers in Messiah. You see the attitude behind this? Is this helping to clear this up for you a little bit? So Paul says it's better to be defrauded, better to suffer financial loss because of the cause of Christ rather than than for the money. Rather than for the fame, or whether, rather, rather than the possessions that they could get. You know, it's, it's far better to succeed spiritually than it is financially. And I want you to know, it's, it's difficult. You know, Jesus talked about turning the other cheek. And if somebody asks for your coat, give them your, your uh, cloak also. Man, I, I, that's hard. But this is what Paul is telling them. He says, "You're going to have to learn the right way, God's way." Now, when I speak of this, I'm only speaking about civil. I am not talking about uh, 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 wh- where it's you know where there is thievery or bribery or whatever else. We're just talking civil suits, okay? When if so, you know if you've got somebody's beating you up, you need to take them to court. You need to file a claim. You need to do something. But when it comes to civil things, God doesn't want us as Christians suing each other. And quite frankly, the church is not even prepared to do this. Now, we have this here. I have a, we have a judicial system that we've never, well, we've used it one time many, many, many years ago, but we actually have in writing how to s- establish where two Christians can come together and get a civil suit taken care of without taking it to court. But you won't find it any other place. Because no one ever wants to do it. They just go ahead and they sue their brothers. You ever had a Christian steal from you? You ever had a Christian lie to you? You ever had a Christian promise you something and back out of it? Have You ever had a Christian go in a contract with you and then bail out on you? It happens, my friends you got to be prepared, but enough of that. But I wanted to bring that up because I thought that was, for me, it was so interesting. Because, you see, Paul says in verses 2 and 3, he says, why are you doing this? He said, you're going to judge the world, and you're going to judge, you're actually going to judge angels. Can't you take care of a little simple thing as a dispute between brothers? Interesting, isn't it? Where did he get that from? He got that from Daniel, chapter uh, 20, chapter 7, verse 27. It says, then all the nations under heaven and their power will be given to the people of God. They will rule all things forever, and all rulers will serve and obey them. In other words, when, when all this mess here on earth is done and we're in heaven in this new heavens and new earth, God says, You'll be ruling and reigning. You'll be judging. You'll be holding court. And yes, there'll be things that need to be taken to court. He said, If you're if you can't do it now, why do you expect that you could do it later? So He says you're going to exercise authority even over angels. Now that's interesting. I'm not getting into that theology today but he just makes the point of it. So why is Paul so adamant about this? Because he's saying church you're making making Jesus Christ a laughing stock by going to court with your brothers and not settling it within the body of the believers rather than take it to a secular court and let them do the ruling and judging. He said shouldn't you be able to do this yourselves? So, how, what, how do I deal with that? Well, if you're have been, if you being sued by uh, someone then that's a Christian, I would suggest you find a way to get it out of the secular court system and let someone or a team somewhere do this judging for you. If you've got a bona fide situation where you need to have it rectified and you need to take someone to civil court, then you do it through the church and let the church deal with it. Y'all are quiet. Is this if you ever, I know, I know. This maybe is way too practical for some of you, but he brings it up, and I'm going to talk about it. All right. Now you tell every, tell the person beside you. Well, he's through with that. We're going to go on to something else now. He's, he's through with that. I spent ten minutes on that because I want to talk with the other part of this text, which really gets tight and upright, because he starts. He starts talking to these Corinthians and says, Now, church, I want you you now to deal with your own, get this, your own bodies. He's not talking about the body of Christ. He's talking about this stinking flesh we live in. Have you ever noticed how this can give us such a fit? If If we could just manage us. We would be a a lot better off. So bear with me as I read this. And you know what? I think I might just read the whole thing, the rest of this chapter. Do you mind? All right, let's go for it. They'll have it up on the screen. Let's start off in verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, what a list, will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you. Now remember, that's important. That's actually one of the key facts in in this text. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. See, there is hope for us in these bodies, okay? He says, all things, and this is another one that throws Christians out for a spin. All things are lawful to me. (laughs) I can tell you so many stories about people who have taken those One, two, three, four, five. Those six words and absolutely abuse them. Anyway, all things are not lawful for me. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach and stomach for the food, but God will do away with both of them. Now, I was a little sad about that. Come on, let's be honest. How many of you like to eat, right? Okay, that's what I thought. Yet the body is not for the immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Verse 14, but now, excuse me, now God has not only raised the Lord, but He will also raise us up through His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members uh, members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Now, why would he bring that up? Because you remember I mentioned to you they were in a, in, a, in a city that one of the temples had a thousand female prostitutes. It really affected him. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says, the two shall become one flesh. And the one who joins himself to the Lord is in one spirit with him. Flee immorality and every other sin that man commits that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is the te- is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? Tell the person beside of you, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in the spirit. Glorify God in your thinking. No, he says glorify God in your what? In your body. Well, let's face it. We spend a lot of time with these things. We dress them. We make sure they don't get injured. We protect them. Some of you put makeup on it. Some of you tried to adjust things or have things fixed that don't need fixing. We take baths, or I hope we do. You think about how much time a day. It would be embarrassing if 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 we had everyone fess up to how much time they spend in one day just on your body. Anyway, that's just a different thing. I want to focus in on a couple things he mentions here. In verse 15. 9, he says that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. But he says something very interesting. He says, do not be deceived. Now, this is the crux of what he's talking about with this whole little section about the body. How does a person deceive your own body? Well, first of all, let's find out what deceived actually means. Deceived means to cause to wander from safety. It means to be caused to wander from safety, truth, and virtue. So why does he talk about deceived? Well, you know, Paul went on later on in, this same, in the second Corinthians. He says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. See, we are so prone to be deceived. That we need to be careful in all that we watch, all that we hear, all that we do, all that we participate in. Why? Because deceived people really believe that they can escape sin and judgment somehow, some way, regardless of how they act. And that is a deception. But Galatians 6, 7 says, and Paul says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. There was a gentleman last night at a class reunion that uh, uh, he, did, he drank in high school, but I, I don't know how excessive it was then. We weren't the closest of friends, but we were certainly you know, good classmates together. And he started drinking. He lost his wife. He lost his family. And I, he was there last night and he was walking on a crane on a cane and he i mean he was decrepit he was old he was worn out i don't know that he was even fully functional but you could tell that what he had been sowing he was now reaping my friends it may take a little time but whatever we sow it will eventually come back either to bless us or to bite us So the choices we make today are so extremely important. And be careful, particularly those of you who are students and young adults, be careful of the choices that you make because if you make the wrong ones, it will cost you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It'll always cost you more. In 1 John 3, 7, it says, Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous the one who practices sin is of the devil for the devil has sinned from the beginning the son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil now I want you to get this no one who is born of God sins that's not what it said. It says, No one who was born of God Practices. sin. See, when I was in athletics, you practice to get better at something. That's why you practice, right? Maybe some of you are practicing your writing skills now or you're practicing whatever, athletic or academic. You're practicing to get better at it. A Christian, a true Christian does not practice something that's sin to get better at it. Why does he say this? Because he says, because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he's born of God. So if people say, well, how do you know if that person's really a Christian? You just have, you know, and we are, we are to observe, and there are times when we are, yes, Jesus said we are to judge. Now, we don't judge everybody, but we are to judge. We're not to judge anything but sin. Jesus, Jesus made that very, 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 very clear. And so if someone says they're a Christian, but yet... They're still in adultery. Then are they Christian? Well, you can't say, well, they are or they aren't. But you can say, well, that's a sin. If they're practicing, God's word says that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what's our responsibility? Our responsibility in those cases is to go in love and care and grace and compassion And speak to that person privately say, listen, shacking up is not good. It's a sin. And if you call yourself a Christian, you need to make amends for this. You just have to be honest. Now, they'll probably shuck you off and never speak to you again, but you did your part. You're not, you're not, we're not supposed to let these things ride out. If you know them and you have uh, some ability or authority to speak into someone's life, then it's your responsibility. To, and they know, you know, the bottom line is they know this. It isn't like you're telling them a lie. It's not like they don't know it. They know it. They have a conscience and they know that it's wrong. But, let, but I wanted to, I thought it'd be fun for a minute. Let's look at just a couple things that Paul, man, he gives a list here like, wow. I mean, you know, it's like eight or ten things he talks about that, that, that the fornicators and, and, uh, and, and what in the world is a fornicator? Well, remember, in their society, they had all those prostitutes in the temple and it, the for, for, fornication or fornicator, fornicator means a male or particularly a male prostitute who is for sale. You say, "Well, oh, no, I would never sell myself." Okay, let me ask you a question. Now, Can I really get tough? Because of our government, they have turned many of our women into fornicators. Because they get paid for every child that they that they birth and don't have a father in the house. Boy, did, I think I need to change subject. Here. It's true, uh, we would call them whoremongers. But then I'll, I'll move. I got. I can feel those daggers. Let's move on. Let's move on to something a little lighter. How about idolaters? Well, that would be a, an image worshiper, right? You would worship an image, an idolater, right? Idol, idol, like a statue or something. Um, what about those narcissistic people all around us? It's called self. Self can be an idol. If everything is about self preservation, self joy, about getting our own sensual needs met, then I would suggest that it might be idol worship. What about adulterers? Oh, I, I'm getting It's. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell, tell, tell somebody he's going to wade in a little deeper. <laughs> We're going a little bit deeper. Adulterers. Well, that's really that one's actually easier to explain. That's just simply someone who's engaging in sex outside of marriage. What in the world is an effeminate? That comes from figuratively. That Greek word comes from the word calamite. Most people don't know what calamite is. That is a boy kept for homosexual practices. So, what is an effeminate? You want the Dietz version of this? It's a man who acts like a woman. Now, last time I checked, there are only two sexes. Not 108, I think it is now. What a messed up world. There are two, male and female. You cannot mess with chromosomes because if you do, you're dead. So you're born one or the other. Your plumbing is one or the other. When, they, when you come out of your mama, they look and say, yeah, that's a boy or yeah, that's a girl. That settles it, regardless of how you feel. Now, I, I want to be passionate to those who struggle with this. My wife and I over the years had to have dealt with people in this situation. But let me, let me unwrap the secret behind this. These are men who act like women. For instance, this is the signs of the effeminate: they paint their lips, they'll give you a girl handshake, their hand movements, and of course the walk. See, I can't even do that. My hips don't work that way. It's not in there. See. But, you know if you practice it long enough you might get good at it we're not going no, we're not going to do that my point is this the effeminate learn how to do this it does not come naturally because a man is built like a man and there's his parts don't work just like a woman you, y'all you say, pastor I can't believe even going there It does. Now, why do I bring all this up? Well, let's go one more. We know we talked about homosexuality. Now, this is a serious issue. I don't care what our Supreme Court has said. Homosexuality is wrong, it is a sin like any other sin. It's like any other sin. But the deception that Paul is talking about here. The deception in that community is that you're born that way and you can never change. The deception is is that you can't help yourself because that's who you are and so you can do nothing to change yourself. But Paul gives everyone hope by saying in verse 11, and such were some of you. When the gospel of Jesus Christ gets into a man or a woman's heart and they're born again, they are set free from those things and they can come out of that caste society of homosexuality and the effeminate. You can come out of it. That's the good news. He says, you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified. I mean, we we understand those terms relatively well. I won't go into all of that. But my friends, when you're born again, you do get washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, so to speak. You are transformed from an old person into a new creature. So anything we bring into our spiritual life in God, in God through Christ Jesus we can we can see a change we never listen never ever turn anyone down from the gospel just tell the truth just tell the truth now obviously this list here some of the things affect us differently i mean but you know because it goes on to the covetous the thieves the drunks the revilers swindlers and all of us Either have been affected by it or have been a part of it at some time in our lives. But we have been washed, transformed, and set free. And that's the good news that we need to tell everyone. So we don't disdain people who come in this way. We just help them. Now the best help you can get for, you know, I haven't, I guess there's somebody that does this. But you know what, the best thing you could do for someone who's effeminate, who comes to Christ, is teach them how to be a man again. If they learn the effeminate ways, they can learn how to be a man. And I'm not talking going to the gym all the time and getting buffed up. I'm talking about walking right. Thank you, Herbie. Walking right, looking right, uh, and and doing the things that a man is supposed to be doing, right? Boy, I am preaching sure much better than some of you are shouting on that one. But let's go on. I'm going to leave this. I'm coming out. I'm so glad I got that taken care of. It's it's still in the Bible. Then he goes on in verse 12. Now, this is where you got to be careful. He says, all things are lawful for me. What does that mean? Well, that's what it means. All things are what? Lawful. So whatever 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 it might be it is lawful but is it expedient is it good let me give you an example of this in later on in this same book Paul mentions this he says in verse uh, chapter 10 verse 23 look at it one way you could say anything goes because of God's immense generosity and grace. We don't have to dissect and scrutinize every action to see if it will pass muster. But the point is not to just get by. We want to live well. But our foremost effort should be to help others live well. Do you see the balance behind this? Yeah, everything, even the things he's talking about, you know, if, if, if you I don't know how to explain it. All I need to say is that, my friends, it's not about you and me. It's about everybody, about everyone else. What are we projecting to other Christians? What are we projecting to other people? What are we projecting to the lost? Why would they want something that looks just like them? Acts just like them. Has the same problems and t- deals with it the same way. Why would they want that? They don't. They want someone who has a mission in life and says, I'm going to live different than the world's ways. Wow. I'm preaching now. No, I'm just He talks about food in verse 13. Sad, isn't it? But anyway. He says, your body is not for immorality, but it's for the Lord. And he's raised us up through his power. In verse 15, he says, and so that you're members of the body of Christ. He said, we should never be acting like everyone else does. I have to ask ourselves, because he brings us up so often, could we be prostituting ourselves? Jesus put it this way, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 31, 21, he said, From within, out of the heart of a man, proceeds evil thoughts. Fornications, thefts, murderers, adulteries, deeds of coveting. Sounds like a list that Paul talks about, doesn't it? Wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, and pride and foolishness. Verse 23. All these things proceed from within a man. See, this is the difference. We don't have to do it to sin. All we have to do is think about it. Now, you talk about a higher standard. Jesus made it very clear that if a man looks after a woman to lust after her, he's what he's already committed adultery in his heart he spoke of this on numerous occasions so it's not about just the body you see the body is a response to how we think so what we've got to do to get control of our bodies is stop thinking about those things now I don't know about you but it's hard for me to stop a thought you ever tried to stop a thought Jake, does it does stop? You ever had a? You ever stop? Just stopped a thought? I mean, how do you how do you unthink a think? <laughs> but if we don't learn how to stop the thought, it'll eventually get to show up in our body. That's what Paul's talking about. So if you're looking at pornography. then it's going to show up in the body somehow, some way, in some form, some fashion. Some way it's going to happen. So rather than risk the embarrassment, you need to change your thinking. So how do I change my thinking? I've said this many times. I'll say it again. The only way it works for me is the only way I can stop a thought is with my words. And you can say what you want to. But I talk to my. You, I hope you talk to yourself a lot. I have to. You know, sometimes we literally have to talk ourselves out of something, and not think our way out of it, but talk our way out of it. And and stop because you see, think about it. so so many you know, let, Let's say this good-looking chick, and you're connected to her, and she meets you, and you and there's a little accidental touch, and da 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 da. You know how the story goes. So how do you stop the thought? You start talking to yourself and say, now, wait a minute. If I follow through, out loud, if I follow through with this, what will happen? And you list the things that could happen that are probably going to happen if you follow through with your thought. you got to talk to yourself. And then by, if you talk to yourself through all of this, by the end you'll say, that's the most stinking, dumping, dumbest thing I've ever thought of in my life well, how could I even think that now now you're getting getting under control it's somehow it's amazing then our body begins to shut down and then that, that good looking chick no longer looks good to you it looks like poison trials and tribulations and problems and divorce and cost you money and all oh, the list could go on and just don't want it that's the key to dealing with our bodies. Take God's word and stop the thought. But he gives us a little help because he knows some of us won't pay attention to that. So that's why he says in verse 18, <laughs> flee immorality. Now when I think of the word immorality, I think it kind of like an umbrella sin. It sort of takes care of most all of the sins, right? If you think about it. So he says, Flee immorality. He said, Listen, my friends, when you get in a place where there's temptation that's going on, get out. Run. Run like heaven. Run like heaven. Not like the other H. Run like heaven. Get out of that situation. Talk to yourself and and tell yourself, "Uh uh-uh, baby. And say, listen, if you're late, I'm so valuable. This is God's property and nothing's going to touch it unless it's ordained of God. After I'm married, I'm holding out for God's best. It's what he wants for me. I'm not messing with this. And tell tell him to get out and you flee. Get out. Sometimes you just got to run. You do. See, so you have to be so careful. I, I don't want to get too personal because it doesn't really affect me, but I did just think about this. Like last night or the past two days, you know, I've had a lot of people I've talked to. And, and, and I'm just being honest. You know, uh, the, some, of these, some ladies keep their distance. But there's some ladies that want to paw all over a man. With her st- my wife right beside me, they're over here. And I'm thinking, why are you touching my arm? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, or hang, oh yeah, hanging on the neck thing yeah. It isn't one of those holy hugs either, I'm telling you. but, but you know, you see, those are the things if you don't deal with them, beca- they become an attraction. And I'm sure not all listen. We're all in our late 60s now, so we're far beyond some of that stuff. But it just made me think about that. But, you know, you just have to, you know. So, so if you if you get close to one of those touchy-touchy people, just run. Or you might even say, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Most people don't even know what they're doing. I'm sorry for rambling, but this, you know, but anyway. I want to close this thing up. It's time for us to go eat some lunch. And I've preached; I've had far too much fun today. He tells us in the last verse, and I want to close with this. He says, "For you have been bought with a price; therefore, glorify God in your bodies." Romans. And Paul talked about this so clearly in Romans six. He said, "Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely." Completely to God, for you were dead, and now you have been, you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for what? The glory of God. These bodies were created by God to bring Him glory. So if you're struggling with what's right and what's wrong, simply ask yourself: will this action Through my body, bring glory to God. I can see five people who've already decided they're going to get up on this new keto dessert. Is it keto? Keto. Don't do it. You see, we worship. We don't don't worship the body. The body was made to worship. Our bodies were created by God to worship. Example, Romans 12, 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I'm closing, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that He has done for you. Let them be living and holy, sacrifice the kind He will find acceptable. This is the true way... To worship Him. My friends, I love coming in here and worshiping. So, number one, your body ought to be in the worship. Everybody else is up standing around worshiping. Oh your mouth may be working but nothing else is working. Oh thank you. As you scroll through Facebook a prophetic word comes a word of knowledge and the very the very the very the very thing you needed. You're not ready by faith because you have Forgot to worship. When you worship, my friends, it incorporates your entire body. Now, I know some people would make fun of us, charismatic, jumping up and down, praising the Lord, dancing. But, my friends, I'm happy this thing still works. And I want to use it to bring Him glory. So when that that Billy Bob buddy comes flying through your life and he's messing with you, no, my body is saved for worship of God. And only He can look at me. Since He created me, He can look at all of me. But you're not touching it because I'm a worshiper of God. Am I getting to somebody this morning? He says, "Glorify God in your body." Now, I granted it looks may look different for different people. So, I'm encouraging you today to do this: deal with your body by dealing with your thoughts. Deal with your thoughts by speaking God's Word out loud. And fight, as we were singing earlier. Fight that battle. Let God be the one who's working on your behalf. And let Him do the changing. And we'll all be better off for it, won't we? I want you to stand to your feet as we close. I suspect... That there may be a few people in here today that are dealing with, while we're very practical today, body issues. What do you mean body issues or bodily issues? Those things that we put in, take out, remove, whatever. It could be a habit. Uh, you know, it's something as simple as maybe smoking cigarettes, or you. There's something that is in, that is manipulating your body. Whatever that might be. Today is a good day to flush that baby down the commode and get rid of it. There needs to be an elimination. If we are going to glorify God in our body, God expects us to let Him help us clean us up. It might be something as simple as it you're sanctified until you get into a fight with your husband and then you let all kinds of words fly out of your mouth or your wife or whatever. You're good until somebody makes you angry. They made me angry. I just couldn't help it. Yeah, you can. Now, I, I, you know, I, my sanctifying process has been slow. And I, one of the first things that never, that one of the things that, took, that went out quickly for me, now I had others that didn't go out so quickly, but I had one that went out quickly. I stopped cussing. Man, I could stand in with the best of them. So that was a body thing for me. If I was going to glorify, I mean, how could I, how could I give God praise and then take His name in vain? Does that make sense? I mean, how can you glorify the Lord when you got tar, nicotine stains on your fingers? Or what's the new thing? The uh, vapor, vapes, vaping, whatever. My friends, that stuff will fry the cells of your body, and you'll be like my high school classmate. It, it hit for him as alcohol. For you, it might have been. It might have been one of the things we just talked about. And you know, 40 years from now, you know, half your face is gone because it's eaten up with cancer. Well, whose fault is that? It wasn't his. My point is, is we need to let him wash us, cleanse us from every struggle of life. Now, I'm going to give an invitation. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I'm going to pray for you in, pray for you in general. If you're, Thank you for listening to the Resurrection Church Podcast. We hope you are encouraged and ready to win souls for Christ. For more information or to plan your visit, go to rc-hickory.org.